is so much happening now, and we just want to be attuned to where God is and what God is saying. And I've been teaching recently on conversion, on what it means to be converted, what it means for that transformation to occur in our lives, to bring us the place of wholeness, oneness with the Lord. And I just can't shake it. It's something that God has placed in my heart to share with you even all the more today. And I'm going to go back to a scripture I read on last week and just take it a step further. We're going to talk about change, changed and spirit-led, because the question is, is conversion and faith, is conversion and faith the same, or which comes first? Is one converted, then saved, or, how, or, or converted, then operate in faith, or how does this all happen? And here's what the Lord showed me. He helped me to understand that conversion must be seen as a destination. The destination, we arrive at a destination, that's when we are converted. But faith is a path. So I want you to see the difference, this distinction between a destination and a path to a destination. Because that's what we're going to talk about here today, because the Lord is taking us somewhere. And understand, if we're on the right path, we'll arrive there. So let's go back to the scripture here in Acts chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that Jesus Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. In other words, it's all done, the completed work. The work was completed on Calvary. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. So we begin to see, he says, repent. That's your part. That's our part. He says, we must repent. We talk about repent, it's not a 360, but a 180. Turn away from whatever you were facing beforehand and turn in the direction of receiving from the Lord. That's what he's saying to us. Now, if we turn away from what we were facing beforehand and we turn 180, now we are postured to receive what we did not possess beforehand. So God can give us something. He says, so now that we have repented, We've turned away from the direction that we were going. He says, now, he says, and be converted. When he says be converted, that's God's part. You can't say, you can't convert yourself. You cannot save yourself. I don't care how strong you think you are, how much you may possess, whatever. You cannot save yourself. He says the Lord has to do the converting. He converts us. And we're going to talk about conversion after a while to help you understand the meaning and definition, to give you a clear definition. So we're on the same page in this. He says, so that your sins may be blotted out, and then times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Then God will give us times of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. So this word conversion in the Hebrew 
it, 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 it speaks of uh, the fact in Hebrew where aliens and strangers are accepted as citizens in a foreign land. That's one way of looking at it. I, I begin to look at and kind of squeeze this definition based upon some of the research. He is saying we begin to look at our, we look at a person that is converted. First of all, they were strangers. They were aliens, but now they are being accepted in a foreign land. But how did they get to that place? There was a compositional change that had to take place within their lives so that they could fit into this new, this new uh, environment. Because what happens, God has to prepare us so that we fit into the environment to which we are yet to enter in. And in order for that to happen, there has to be re we have to be reconstructed as becoming one that is acceptable under God. See, God will make you acceptable. He will do the work to bring you to a place where now you are acceptable under God. You are acceptable. The Bible says, we present our bodies unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service, and understand, do not be conformed to the world, but be, conform, be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that now you will know what is good, what is acceptable and perfect uh, before the Lord. So there has to be a compositional change. In other words, you are being remade or refashioned made, and, and then I like these scriptures here because this is what he says. When we read this quickly, we're going to read a few scriptures here. Here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, and you can put those down and read them in their completion later on. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9, where it says, he talks about who I am the least of all the saints. This grace has been given that I should preach among the Gentiles in searchable riches of Christ. But watch what he says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. I will make you see. You, you see, now that you're remade, now he makes you see what you weren't capable of seeing. But God brought you to a place where now you are made to see. Another scripture here in, you know, when David was, uh, had fallen and was being, uh, asking to be restored in the 51st chapter of Psalm, 51st division of Psalm, where he began to talk about his sins and how he was a sinner from his mother's womb. But then he says, behold, you desire truth in my parts. He says, and in the hidden parts, you make me to know wisdom. I hadn't seen this beforehand, how the Lord is making these things happen. I will make you to see or to understand the fellowship of the mystery. You got to look at what he means by that. The fellowship of the mystery, we begin to see that this mystery connects together. There are some composites uh, concerning the mystery of God, but how does it all come together? How does it culminate? He says, I'll make you to see, I'll make all to see what is a fellowship mystery. He says, I will make you to know a wisdom uh, in your hidden part. And, 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 and then he goes on to talk about another part in Isaiah 28, 9, he says, whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? So, so understand what he's saying. Look at all of these together. He made you to see, he made you to know, and he made you to understand. You didn't just arrive there, but God made it happen. Oh, that's something to think about here. 
I never thought of it this way. God made these things happen in your life. He made those things happen in my life so that now they become clear to us as a result of the Lord making it happen. And that's all about. And, 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 and as a result of that, as the Lord makes us, now, now look at this word here. That meant that there was some resistance. <laughs> if he made us do it, if he made us do it, your flesh didn't too much like going in that particular direction. There was some pushback in the area, in the realm of the flesh. He said, but the Lord said, no, I'm not going to let you remain. I ain't going to let you stay there. And you wonder sometimes, that's where the pressure uh, resides with, uh, among us and with us, is that the Lord is trying to make you something that you're not just willingly uh, surrendering to. You're not willingly surrendering to because, because in your, your, your flesh, we talk about the reason that the mind, the will, and emotion, that the soul has to be uh, renewed, uh, the mind has to be renewed because there's always that pushback. You, you say, Lord is saying, I want you to go in this direction. No, Lord, my mind, I think this is the way I want to go. Lord said, no, I want you to go in this direction. No, I think I should go that way. And the Lord said, I'm going to tell you what. And, and, and then a, a, a set of circumstances will arise within your life. And then you say, well, why is this happening? Why is it going this way? He'll help you understand the fellowship of the mystery as hidden in Christ. Because there's some things that's hid, hidden truth that's, that's in Christ. And now, understand, as he is forcing you in this direction, he says, I'm not just looking at your life from the perspective of time. But I'm looking at your life from the perspective of eternity. He said, there are some eternal truths and there are some eternal benefits that will be derived from the position and the direction that I am making you because you're a saint now. Because you've been said it, you shouldn't have said it. You shouldn't have said, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender my all to you unless you meant it. Because if you meant it, God ain't going to let his children get away with everything. I, I asked you, you me talk about my daddy and... Uh, and I, was, I would always say, Daddy, I said, uh, uh, why can't I stay out after 9 o'clock? I said, all my friends stay out after 9 o'clock. They out at 10, 11 o'clock at night. He said, I want you to be home at 9 o'clock, not 9.01, 9 o'clock. What about these other kids playing? He said, they're not my children. They're not my children. So my children have rules, regulations. There are restrictions. There are, you see, there are certain things that God won't let you get away with. Because those he loves, he chastens. So now, look at what he is saying here. He is saying we're made to fit for the master's use. God says there's something I'm in the process because he's leading us to glory. The objective, you see, we, we go from faith to faith, the faith walk. I'm going to talk about this whole thing of faith because, you see, once we are converted, see, faith, faith alone, by grace you're saved through faith. It's not by faith you're saved. 
Did you hear me? You're not saved by faith. You're not saved by faith. You're saved by grace. That's the, the, the God giving you the gift. And then through faith, then you begin to trust God and you begin to believe God to take you in the right direction. He says, it is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Let's, uh, he said, uh, there's any man would boast. He says, so the path, understand, the path that leads to change that's a path that God has you. It leads to change. You're being changed, but at the same time, you have been changed in order to be changed. Is that a good way of looking at it? You see, when you're converted, you are changed in order to be changed. But how are you changed? It is a faith walk then, your walk. As you walk with God, then the changes begin to occur within your life, every step of the way. That's why, how does faith come? And, okay, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear the Word of the Lord, the purpose of that Word being spoken is to produce for you the wherewithal to cause change to occur within your life. So put it this way, if you leave this place committed to what you were committed to as you were committed to it beforehand, then you just wasted some time. But if you came here and said, Lord, I want to know what it means to walk this walk of faith, and God began to show you things that, you, that will help you to develop into who he would have you develop into, then this is valuable, precious time spent together. So the path leads. It, 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 and understand, it, 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 a, a reliable, it, here's what some people look for. They look for a relatable message. Are we seeking for a relatable message? are a reliable message. Are we speaking, looking for something that we can easily relate to or something that we can rely upon? And what God has given you something, we talk about the faith walk after we're converted, he's showing you something and giving you something that you can rely upon even though it will challenge your thinking, even though it will stretch you beyond your current paradigm. God is doing something in your life. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying here. He, he changed to understand. He changes us to understand, or we're made to understand the message. We didn't understand it to begin with. And, and, and that's always the challenge, is that people come in and say, I didn't understand a word. One, one person said, I said, a word you were talking about. No, God has to do a work within you so that what is being said to you is sensible. Now, now let me just do a... a, a, a just something uh, here. See, the messages that you're getting primarily are from people that have been already, you're already converted. You see, we, we, we're assuming that you're converted. Now, there's a different kind of food you will feed a person that's converted than a person that's not converted. You see, your appetite, your desire, your passion uh, is different. So, so I, I'm assuming that you're converted already those of you that's here, so that as a result of your being converted, you're like Paul, now to help other people see, to help other people see, to go out into the field and, and to open their eyes so others may be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, unto the Lord. So, so what you're being equipped to, to do is to go out there so that you become conduit in God's hands to bring other people to salvation. They will know the way of salvation based upon your witness, based upon what has happened within your life and what is yet happening within your life. So that's what God is doing. 
So we mentioned a conversion, you see, that the ultimate change, you see, you're changed to be edified, but the ultimate change is uh, be glorified. Conversion as a destination which leads to a journey of faith. It leads to a journey of faith. Every step after you're converted is a part of your journey. It's a part of your journey. And, and here's what that is all about. Faith is a lifetime of discovery. Faith is a lifetime of discovery. So every step of the way, God will show you something you didn't see before yet. You're discovering something. You say, discovery. Wow, God is showing us in this life. Let me put it this way. The experiences that you go through, God said, I'll use that experience to reveal myself to you in a way that you had never seen me before. Now, many of you are going, you see, you, many of you are going through some stuff, aren't you? You're going, I would say, majority of us, either we're going through something, we have gone through something, or we're getting ready to go through something. Now, let me tell you something. And if you came out of something, you're getting ready to go through some more. <laughs> you see, that's not the end of the journey because you went through something. Well, how overcome? Lord, I'm glad that I came out. No, you're getting ready. You came out to the end. But look what happens here. But when you enter into that experience, it will lead you to a new discovery of dimensions of Christ that you had never seen before. The Lord will begin to show you. Here, here's what I want you to understand, something about the life of faith here. I might have mentioned it Wednesday, but I went to a doctor that continued to go to seminars and to to improve himself in his skills. He wanted to improve his skills. So what he would do, he, would, he, would, he knew all the things he learned while he was in, in, in medical school and when he had graduated and became a doctor. But he realized that medicine, uh, they, people are improving. You see, science is improving upon uh, medicine and, and the practices are are being refined as you begin to look at uh, over, over time. So what happens, I went to this doctor that uh, was a student of medicine, not, he, he, yes, he is a doctor, because a doctor means that you are, you're a professional in relation to that, but he still saw himself as a student of medicine because he realized that there was still much to be learned. And he found something that all the other doctors had not found in me. He found in me there was a polyp growing in my, in, in my colon, and he said it was about the size of a, of, of a ball, a, a, base, a baseball. And he said, he said, and it was precancerous. That's been over 20-some years ago. He said, and if that tumor had continued to grow, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be standing because if it's precancerous and if it had more time to develop, you best believe we have a history within our family of cancer, and therefore, that was something that was developed within me to take me out. But this doctor who was a student did an examination that the other doctors did not engage in. He took it another step. So now, when it comes to the discovery in relation to the Lord, why should we not do the same and much more? 
what I know about Christ is insufficient to be effective in ministering to you based upon the experiences you're having in life right now. You see, if all I talk about is what I know, I like how Paul, you see, the objective is knowing Christ, knowing him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be made conformable to his death so that if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from, of the dead. Now, what is he saying here? He is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And understand the only way you could follow me as I follow Christ, you must have the same passion to know him. Life is a discovery. So the more I discover of Christ, the more I'm able to minister to you. And I'm not just ministering last year's sermons. I'm not just, give, I'm not just sermonizing. But there's a life involved in this message. You see, that's what Paul says. I'm pouring out my life to you. What am I saying? These are my experiences are the experiences that, 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 that enabled me to be able to stand here. Are the things I've gone through. And out of that, out of my own experiences, out of my own challenges, out of my own walk with God, out of my own prayers, a message is birthed. But that message is for you. That's why Paul said, he said, the things that's happened to me. You see, he was really saying, they were for your sake. They were for your sake. The things that happened to me, you, you see, they, they, they were there. The enemy was there trying to destroy me. But, but you saw that thing. You saw it transformed into ministry. And that's what he was really saying in essence. So conversion, we begin to see that faith is a lifetime of discovery. It, it, it is a, you see, we talk about repentance. You see, a chosen path. We have, we have a chosen path. We have, we've already decided on which path we're going to go. But if, you see, but if you had chosen a different path, you see, there are two different traject trajectories. You, if you t chose another path, you would be headed in a different direction. You'll be headed to depression. So what is he saying here? He said, but the path that you have chosen will put you on a trajectory to move in a particular direction. Now, now that means, we talk about faith. That means that you have, in fact, chosen this path to travel. You see, if you haven't really chosen this, or if you're on the fence, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. You know what? We're, we're saying we want you to go where we're going. You see, uh, uh, Jesus came to lead many sons to glory, many sons to glory. And, and he gave us that mandate. We are to lead many, you see, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. Our assignment is for people to see Christ in us and see Christ through us. So now, this chosen path, you see, we must bring them so that we are headed in the same direction. Now we look at the, we've been talking about saints. Look at the caliber and quality of saints. You, you, you see, as a result of being a saint, we intend to expect to raise up from this place people that are different. You see, that's what he said. It's a quality. You see, Paul said, uh, uh, the proof of my 
apostleship of the people that I lead. I'm paraphrasing it, the people that I lead. The proof of the fact that I have been called, the proof of the fact that God's hand is upon me. He said, he said you, are my, you are the written epistles. He said, well, the word of God is written in your hearts. He said, so what he's saying here, he said, when I disperse you the word of God, that has become life within you. So when people see you, they read the epistle, not just, not just uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and or Ephesians and the like, Galatians and Colossians. He said, they read your life. They read your life. So, so understand what we're sending out from Cross Culture Church. We're sending out from this place written, uh, uh, living epistles, people whose lives have been transformed. So, so understand. So when people see, when they say, what is Cross Culture Church all about? I say, well, talk to Talk, talk to this one, talk to that one, talk to the other. I, 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 all, all I can do is point them to the people that have sat under the ministry and said, let that person share the, 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 challenge, uh, the challenges they had and the difference the gospel has made within their lives. See, that testimony this morning was powerful. I, I want you to understand this. What, 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 what Ray and Field has gone through is powerful. You, you see, when you really give thought to it, you give thought to it. At not just at the brink of death, but flatlining. I mean, she flatlined. She was gone. But yet she was resting in the Lord, even though she was not fully here. Are you hearing something here? But you know what that challenge that they both were facing, it did. It caused what had been imparted to them. It came to the surface at the point of its greatest need. At that hour of their greatest challenge, what they had heard began to pay off within them. What if they had never heard? The older I get, the more afraid I would become if I didn't know what I know. Now, look at what the Lord, we talk about conversion. Look at the dynamics of conversion here. We see life through different lenses. You see, we see life through different lenses. We, it, it's through the lenses of the cross in view of the crucified Christ that we are postured to take a, to take a second look at life itself. Years ago, I began to quote to you, and I'm going to go over it again, this song, Amazing Grace. But, but uh, those verses continue to be added to. There were several people that added verses to Amazing Grace. And then they called it only hymns. But there was one, it was called Looking at the Cross. I quoted this some years ago. But he says, Looking at the Cross. This is all a part of Amazing Grace. This is what it says here. Listen to it. Listen to it. It says, In evil long, I took delight, unawed by shame or fear, Till a new object struck my sight and stopped my wild career. I saw one hanging on the tree in agony and blood who fixed his languid eyes on me as near his cross I stood. Sure, never till my latest breath can I forget that look? It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke.
my conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. Alas, I knew not what I did, but now my tears are vain. Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I, the Lord, have slain. Now watch the second look. A second look he gave, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I died that thou mayest live. Thus while his death my sins displays, and all is black as you, with, plea, with pleasing grief and mournful joy, my spirit now is filled, that I should such a life destroy, yet live by him I kill. And then it goes on, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He enables you to see and appreciate what you would have otherwise ignored and neglected. Make me to see. Make me to know. Make me to understand the dimensions and the dynamics of your grace. Because I didn't come here understanding this. Only you could make this thing real to me. We're going to receive communion today. What is that all about? It is remembering. It is reflecting. It is going back into time, going back into history, and reliving the moment that took place over 2,000 years ago, but we had us in mind when it happened. Let me ask you something. If you saw it and could do nothing about it, it would lead you to despair. Suppose you saw your sins, but yet you could do nothing about it. You saw, you, you see, it was hot in here a little while ago. Suppose you were facing hell Damnation, destruction, not only that, it's not just the heat of hell, but the separation from the life of God forever. But could do nothing about it. It would lead to despair, hopelessness. By knowing that it could all, you see, that these things exist without him. So now, the same thing applies, joining the club. If church is just a club that people join, if it's just a club or being called, you see, is it a club or is it really being joined to a mission? 
if we get the wrong attitude concerning what church is really all about, what church life is all about, then you join the club. Club cross-culture, club abundant life, club whatever it is. You join the club, and there are benefits in membership, but you're just a part of a club. But when you're called to a mission, it puts your membership in a whole different uh, category because now you're called to something that's greater than yourself. God has called you. This is what he calls co-missioned. It's your, the mission you are joined with him to carry out the assignment given to him. And then we are called together. So it, uh, look at it this way. So that if it is a commission, if this is the great commission, then every one of us have a part in carrying out the assignments given. One person drop the ball, it will affect the whole, it'll affect all of us. So we understand the great commission. What have you been commissioned by God to do? I, I, I like what one uh, I think it was Dr. Chatham said. He said, what is sin is the who are called to be missionaries or evangelists. He said, it is when you receive the Great Commission, when you're born again, when you receive Christ, then that's your calling in and of itself. Every one of us, every one of you and every one of us have been called. And we have an assignment. And what God does, the commission, we're commissioned by him. So the miracle... So what happens, the miracle happens, it accompanies the preaching of God's word and truth. The miracle happens when we hear the word of God and that word takes root within our hearts. That's when we begin to see the miracles take place. It happens, it happens. When the miracle, because the first miracle is what happens when the word takes root. And then understand, then whatever is needed, whatever is necessary, God begins to provide it through those who have fully embraced the mission. The mission. You see, that's why he says go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. You see, you can, you can do all of those things that God would have you to do, but it only happens that way as a result of being fully committed to the commission to which God has given us, that God has given us. So, so this is what God is doing. What he does, I like what he says, without a vision. You know the scripture, without a vision, the people cast off restraints. But what the vision does, it harnesses all of our energies. Look at the, see, one, it casts off restraints. Everybody does his or her own thing. Everybody think their own way. They move in their own direction. But the vision harnesses our energies. And, and, and here's the measure. Here's the measure. The measure, you see, we have to come to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. We measure everything's by, everything by Christ, the Christ that we take a second look at. And then we say, how much of what I'm doing measures up to who Christ is and what Christ would have me to do and become? That has to be the measure. It has to be the measure. Any measure less than that, you missed it. You missed it. So what are we saying? You said, well, I, I have gifts in call. I have gifts to do such and such and such. I believe that this is what God would have me to do. I believe that's what God... He said, now, let's weigh that. Let's weigh that. Let's weigh it based upon its eternal worth, its eternal value. And what he did, he says, all right, do that, but make sure that you do it in such a way that it comes, to up, it comes up to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Make sure that it measures out so that now you are, if you're a doctor, you are God's doctor. If you're a lawyer, you're God's lawyer. You, you see, if you're a businessman, you're God's businessman. Whatever it is, it has to measure up to his standard. He says, if it, if it, if it does not measure up to the standard, I don't care how much you may put into it, it's rejected by him. It's rejected. So, so the vision harnesses our energies, and our energies are working towards one objective, and the objectives that we, and the activities rather, that we engaged in would be complementary. It's complementary because we are commissioned. What you're doing reinforces what I'm doing. None of us, you see, we're working as a team. You talk about the whole thing of unity. We work as a team. We work together. We're ending this year, and I, I think we need this challenge. We work as a team, teamwork. We move in the same direction. We are together in this. And understand this. If, if, if you, you see, but the only way for us to be together will require conversion. Conversion. Once you've been transformed, then you are postured to see. The Bible says, except a man be born again, he can't even see. He can't see the finished work. He cannot see the objective. He cannot see that which God would have us to aim at, the kingdom, the rule of God over all things. So he says, so now if you see it, you can see it because God has opened your eyes and turned you from darkness to light. And as a result of seeing it, now you can enter into the work that is before you. He harnesses the energies and you move in, in, you move in sync with the others. And then you can say what God is currently saying. You can say what God is currently saying. I was telling my wife on the way here, I said, how the Lord will wake me up 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. I may be riding in the car. God will drop a word here, a word there. And then when I, I just write down the note that God has given me. I write down that. I wake up and write down what God has said. And then I get up in the morning and I read all that God is saying. And I'm always amazed at how it all fit together. I said, Lord, you gave me a little here, a little there. I see a little thing here and I write that down. I do a little there. And then I put it all together. I said, Lord, you're saying one thing to me, but you're saying one thing at different times and in different places. I said, this is amazing. So now when we come together as a people of God, nothing, you see, when we align ourselves with God, Everything flows together. Everything flows together. Nothing is wasted. Nothing ought to be just thrown in there without purpose or meaning. And let me tell you something. For it to flow this way, let me tell you how to get there. You start praying, Lord, give me what you're saying. I want you to posture me so that I'm hearing from you what you're saying right here and now. Let me tell you something. Preparation is not just on my part preparing the message, which I, uh, I, I, I love to prepare because I realize the reason that I'm ministering is to help develop you to becoming who God would have become. But, I, but it requires the same level of preparation. We have to prepare our hearts to receive what God is saying. If our hearts are not prepared, then I'm throwing something at you that you can't receive. You see, it's coming at you but is it really being formed within you? But when you, your hearts are prepared, then it finds its place within you. Let's go a little step further. You see, what happens 
we mentioned the paths that are there. There are such you call missteps. Missteps and leads to misfortune. It's when you move in a different direction. You see, God's, we have to understand something, a spiritual timing. Even though you might have the right tools, the right uh, uh, education, whatever, there's something called spiritual sensitivity. Understand God's timing. God's timing. God's timing. God is, God is always on time. You see, we talk about things happening. They must happen with the right time, the right order. That's how God is. He, he, he brings us to a place where we operate within his timing. His timing. You see, I, I like what Pop Mason would say. Yesterday's message delivered today is your message. Tomorrow's message delivered yesterday is your message. It's only God's message when it's aligned with God's timing. God's message to you today is the message that he's delivering to you today because God is taking all matters concerning your life into consideration and he speaks into those situations, into those, addressing those matters in such a way to see to it that you are understanding him, we mentioned before, in a way that you would not have understood him beforehand. They call that spiritual discernment, spiritual discernment. Let me put it this way. It's as if God came into this sanctuary and he sat right next to you. He'll sit up right next to you and he's whispering in your ear something. There's a whole crowd here, but he's talking to you. He says, he says, you look around, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. I wish this person was here. Oh, they need to hear this. They need. Then the Lord said, he said, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking. Your mind is drifting. You're looking at who ain't here and who's not getting it. He said, I'm sitting right here. I'm right here. Look, look at me. Look at me. I'm talking to you. You see, don't be so distracted. Don't be looking all around. Don't be looking at somebody else and thinking about other people. He said, I'm talking to you. I'm addressing your situation. He says, I want you to pay attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I say unto you. That's how God speaks to us. He speaks to you personally in a crowd of people. He is saying, I've tailored. The reason that you're here is because I have a message that's tailor-made for you to address your deepest need, not your wants, but your deepest need. You see, we talk about spiritual, you see, he allows you to see into a matter. You, you see, you would not have wanted more until God made it known that there was more to be wanted. You wouldn't have wanted more in life unless God made it known to you that there was more to be wanted. What he did, he told, he told Adam, Adam was satisfied being a farmer and being, growing the garden, cultivating the gardens and all the other things he was assigned to do. But the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. He probably would have said, Lord, what are you talking about? It's not good. I'm not alone. Look at the rationale. I'm not alone. Look at all of this that's around me. I am not alone. But who's talking? God said, it's not good. He said, your situation is not good 
That's one thing. And you are alone. I'm not alone. Who said you're alone? Who has the final word? If God says you're alone, you're alone. If God says you're alone, and when you allow yourself to align yourself with what God is saying, then you'll become lonely and desire something that you didn't desire beforehand. Say to put him to sleep. He said, now that I've disturbed his peace and he's discovered his loneliness, which wasn't even a case beforehand, I better put him to sleep to take him out of his misery now. Because what am I going to do? Once he awakened, he would have recognized and make him lonely. Before I did what I did, I will make him a help me that's suitable to him. I'll make one that's suitable. In other words, the other stuff wasn't suitable, but this that I will make for him is suitable. Let, let me understand. Let me help you understand. That's what happens to people when they, they feel like they're doing you a favor when they come to church. It's not good for you to stay at home. It's not good for you to be engaged in those kind of activities. It's not good that you deflect your energy towards all of those other things. And you say, well, who says that I'm deflecting my energies? I'm finding my purpose. I'm engaged in activities that's, that's fulfilling to me because you're asleep, because you're dead in your trespasses and sins. So the things of God doesn't make sense to you, but the things of the world make sense to you. And God wants to bring you to another place of seeing what he is seeing, that you may participate in what he is doing. So now, it, it's not just getting there, because here's what happened. We, we talk here about heaven and heaven being the reward and, 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 and understand we finished our work down here. We're going to be in glory and all of that. That's all, but, but, but it's not just getting there. It's not just getting to heaven. It's not just getting to heaven because uh, I, I think uh, I heard Bishop Flynn Johnson say it first time I heard it, but many people have said that if God's intention was just to get you to heaven, he would, lead, he would save you and shoot you. He would save you and kill you because what else is there to look forward to? He said, because you're saved. You're going to heaven, so, you know, I'm right with you. In fact, I asked God to do that when, when I was... I got to say, Lord, take me now because I know I'm right with you. I know right now that I'm in a position. I did that. When I, got, I said, Lord, God, I feel the Lord go, Lord, I'm ready now. I'm ready now because the reality of heaven has become my reality. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave here. I don't even care about any of this stuff. All I want now is to be with you. Could you imagine? That's where I was. And the Lord had to show me, your work is not finished yet. There are some things I'm yet to do in your life. Because understand, I don't want you just to get to heaven. I want you to receive an inheritance. You understand what God is doing, an inheritance. An inheritance is what God wants you to receive. So when he talks about inheritance, when you get there, there ought to be something waiting on you when you arrive. Not just getting there, but rewards, the benefits of the saints, the inheritance of the saints. Now, 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 what are the things that you will give up in exchange for earth's glory? Look at the glory of your inheritance in the saints. We mentioned you're a saint. And God, the more you engage in the works of God, it's not something that you earn. You see, your salvation is not earned. 
Your salvation is not earned, but your rewards are earned. Your rewards are earned. How did you spend your life? How did you spend your life uh, on earth? What were the things that you were engaged in? Your inheritance, the inheritance of the saints, uh, you would receive rewards and benefits as a result of being faithful, of being faithful. God will judge. You see, we talk about what will happen. All of us will stand uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand at, at, at that judgment, and God will weigh the efforts, the activities that all of us were involved in, and he will begin to. It's like the war ceremony. It's like the war ceremony. And, and, and you'll say, well, uh, what, did, what, what did my life stand for? What will my life? You say, well, I just, uh, I did such and such. The Lord said, no, no. He said, look at the crowd going, wow. Look at the crowd going, wow. Because your little bit wasn't just a little bit. <laughs> your little bit was a whole lot. Your faithfulness was really precious to me. So, so, so what happens uh, uh, now, here we are. Here we are. Uh, as, as strangers, as pilgrims from a far country. He, you, you places, you see, you were in places that you did not belong. Attempting to set up residence there. You're trying to live in a place that you do not belong. You, you, you try to build your life in a place that's strange to your spiritual composition. You were made for more than what you settle for. This is where a lot of people live their lives. You were made for more. So your restlessness, saints, is because God is telling you that there's more to life than this. That's more to life than this. You wonder what's happening. That's a different kind of uncertainty. The other is you need to be converted. But to the saint, it's there's more to life than this. God saying to you, there's more to life than this. That the word that you read, there's a depth to that message that's more than you've read. Don't judge God based upon your, your, your narrow understanding. Many people leave church because they have such a skewed, a, a narrow understanding of who the Lord is. So, so he says, so we are uh, our heavenly wars. We, 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 uh, we must grow where you've been planted uh, because what happens when we step away from that place that God has strategically placed us, then we become hybrids. We're trying to make something happen where it ought not happen. See, Jesus always said, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they'll not follow. Let me just close by just reading out of, out of Malachi, because uh, what God is wanting us to understand, the heart of the Father to his children. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice, a stranger than I follow. Malachi 4 and 5. This is what the Lord is saying. And it's, it's appropriate for our day and time. He says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Understand who he is. Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet prophesying before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He says, and what will he do? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Let's stop there for a moment. Look at what he's doing here. He's saying that the deepest wound in many hearts are father wounds, family matters, 
Am I making sense here? Their family matters. He says, so what has happened? He said, before that dreadful day, before that dreadful day occurs, prophetically speaking, he says, the Lord says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Now, when he says, turn the hearts of the, uh, of the children to the fathers, let's look at it first. He says, I will turn, well, he turned first. He said, I will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. I will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. That's what he says first. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children so that the father's hearts will be after God's own heart. You see, and, and understand, fathers, it is saying that we must be after God's own heart. He says, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children so we will be concerned about the wherewithal of our children. We will be concerned about the wherewithal of our children. Now, now understand that concern requires strength because our concern alone is insufficient. Lord, I need your help. I need your help because my heart, you see what happens when he says, turn the heart of the fathers towards the children. Look at Jesus. Look, look, at, look at God, rather. God's heart was towards the children of Israel, and his heart was broken. His heart was broken because of their rebellion. You follow what he says? But I will turn the hearts. In other words, you will feel the pressure greatly. This is prophetically speaking to the Father. You will feel the pressure that, that's brought to bear upon your hearts as a result of your children. He says, but yet the other part is that you will be one to encourage. You'll be one to, to, to help to undergird your children. You will be that example before them and all of that. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. But then he doesn't stop there because even if the father's heart is turned to the children, that's only a part of it. He says, and I will turn the children's, the heart of children's to their fathers. I will turn the heart of the children to their fathers. The children will understand who their fathers are. Now look at the two, twofold uh, effect of this prophecy. I will turn the heart of the fathers so that the father, so that understand the children will not be orphans. That's what Jesus said. You will not be, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So the father's hearts will be turned to the children, but then the children's hearts will be turned to the fathers. It will be complementary. Now the children will see their fathers. See, first of all, the fathers will see their children differently, but then the children will also see their fathers differently. They will see their fathers differently. They say, you know what? You are my daddy. First of all, you, Jesus, God said, you are my sons and daughters. I will, you see, uh, you will be my sons and daughters. I see you as my child, but then I see you as my father. Now, why is this all important? Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Lest I come. If the hearts have not been turned to the children and the children to the father, the earth suffers as a result of 
the, the, the uh, despair or, or the d- division that occurs between fathers, children, children, and fathers. We thought it just happened. We thought all this stuff just happened. No, he says, I'm trying to bring fathers and children together. He didn't just say mothers. He said fathers. He said fathers, fathers. Oh, let me tell you something. It's important that we understand this. We understand this. I'm challenged with it. I'm challenged because God is saying, he said, he said, what's in your heart for the next generation? This thing really hit me hard when my grandson departed. I was thinking, I was saying now, we have, I have other children and grandchildren. And with my children and my grandchildren, I understand that what God has given me is not just for me. But he says, giving you something that's to be passed to the children and to your children's children and to many generations. We have to start thinking generationally. We have to start thinking generationally. So yes, our responsibility, not, not only that, spiritual children. Spiritual children. When he says, I will turn the heart of the fathers to the children, it is also having to do with spiritual children. He says, I will turn your heart towards your spiritual children. He said, but not only that, your spiritual children will understand who their daddy is. So displace meant leads to dismemberment. <laughs> when you're not where you're supposed to be and you're separated, you're dismembered from the rest of the body. I don't care how many organizations you may join or you may try to be a part of. Who's your daddy? And where's your heart? Where's your heart? God is saying, let's go back. He said, lest I strike the earth with the curse. When he says earth, yes, it has to do with the environment, but it also has to do with the people who occupy the environment. We go through needless sufferings if we don't get our hearts right towards that which God would have us to love with his love.